The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. All right, finally, I'm really happy to be here with all of you this morning. And, and Jan, I don't know if you're still here. Uh, Malibu's cool, but it's got nothing on Paso. <laughs> Well, it's been an interesting week for me. Last Sunday after church, I went skiing with my boys in Idaho. Tuesday, I went snowshoeing in Idaho with my kids. And then on Wednesday, I packed up my car as full as I could, and I left and began the 940-mile drive to come down here. So Tuesday, I'm in snow, and Thursday, it's like almost 80 degrees. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been an interesting move for me. Right now, my family and half of our possessions are still in Idaho, and they'll be here for the Easter service. That'll be their first one here, and then they're staying after that. So join me in welcoming them here when, when they get here. But right now, I have the couch My family has the dining room table. Um, I have my daughter's bed and the pink comforter that comes with it. (laughs) And my daughter is sleeping on a cot. So we are all discombobulated. But I can't tell you how excited I am to be here finally and ready to begin ministering with you and alongside you. Um, Today we begin a new series called Unexpected Places. And I want to introduce this series with a story. I attended Point Loma Nazarene University, a small Christian college in San Diego. And I had very spiritual reasons for choosing Point Loma. It's right on the beach. (laughs) In fact, there are expansive views of the Pacific Ocean from just about everywhere on the campus at Point Loma. I invite you to check it out if you're ever in San Diego. It's, it's quite remarkable. Um, one day I actually was in my dorm room sitting on my bed, looking out the window, watching the America's Cup yacht races on the ocean while sitting on my bed. It's, it's a phenomenal place. And the allure of the Pacific Ocean right outside your door is very distracting. And so it takes an incredible amount of discipline to attend class every day. The Pacific Ocean claimed several of my peers within the first year or year and a half, and they didn't make it to graduation. Somehow I survived those first couple years of of having the beach right there, Um, but sometimes my frequent trips to the beach would get me a little bit behind in school, and so I'd have to make up for that by pulling all-night study sessions before tests and finals. Perhaps some of you have done similar things before. Thank you, sir. Well, the only place for Point Loma students to study when I was there was Denny's. Denny's restaurants. Now, you may be thinking that that's kind of crazy, but, but bear with me. Denny's was open all night long. They had inexpensive food. They had bottomless coffee and bottomless iced tea. They just keep coming by for hours and refilling your cup. Which, so all of that was just great for college students on a budget. And they didn't seem to care that we would stay there for hours on end and hold up their tables and hardly order anything. 
So we studied at Denny's, believe it or not. And on one such occasion when we were at Denny's, my friend Frank and I finished studying at about 2 a.m. And we walked out of the restaurant and into the parking lot thinking that we were just going to go home and go to bed. But when we got into the parking lot, we met two men. We were just going to walk past them. They were obviously homeless based on how they were dressed and their appearance. And, and they stopped us and they asked us if we had any change. So we reached into our pockets and we grabbed the little change that we had and, and we handed it to them and we felt like, hey, we've done something great. We have given them so much. It's almost like we'd given them $100 or something. <clears throat> At least that's how we felt, even though it was just change. We gave them our change, but they gave us something infinitely greater that night. Because after we gave them the change, we said, God bless you. And they said, God. And then they began to tell us a little bit about their experience with God. They began to tell us about how the circumstances of their life had brought them to this place and how difficult it was, but how God was using their circumstances to shape them. And how God was using their circumstances to reach people that they had no way of reaching unless they were living in that homeless community. What we found was two Christian college students, we had nothing compared to them in terms of faith and love for God. They shared for about 45 minutes, and we were captivated the entire time. When we walked out of Denny's at 2 a.m. after studying, we did not expect to meet God in the parking lot through two homeless people. It was the last thing on our mind. But we did. And the longer I've journeyed in faith, the more I've seen that God has a tendency to show up in the places that we least expect him, in unexpected ways, at unexpected times. So in this series, Unexpected Places, from now through Easter, we're going to talk about some of the unexpected places that God shows up in Scripture and in our lives. We're starting today with the storm. You know, we have a tendency to believe that God is only with us when good things are happening, when the sun is shining, and when everything just seems to be going our way. But oftentimes, God shows himself to us most profoundly when we're living through a storm. Our scripture reading this morning is Mark's, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. We'll put it on the screen, and it's also in your bulletin, or if you have a Bible, feel free to, to read along with me. In Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. This is an experience where Jesus and his disciples experience a storm. It says, That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. This is God's word for us this morning. Have you ever been in a terrible storm, maybe similar to what the disciples were going through? Maybe you've been in a storm in a boat like them, a ferry boat or a cruise ship or a fishing boat where the waves were just enormous and you thought that your life was in peril. Maybe you've been in a terrible storm in an airplane, one of those where the plane is just bouncing all over the place. Some of the craziest flights I've had have been coming into San Luis Obispo Airport. (laughs) Maybe you've experienced some of those too. Or maybe like me, you've driven through snowy conditions when it's just a whiteout and you can hardly see in front of you and the road is a sheet of ice and there are cars and trucks off the side of the road everywhere. I know you don't experience that in Paso Robles, but um, there are other places (laughs) in the country where that might happen. Or maybe you've experienced a hurricane or you've lived in a part of the country where they have tornadoes and the winds that can just tear apart buildings Dangerous storms aren't fun, are they? They can be utterly terrifying. And the disciples were facing such a storm. And I love how Mark's gospel tells the story. It tells it by three different times using a word in its original language, megas. It's a Greek word. What does megas mean? Well, it comes from... Actually, it's the root of the word that we use for our term mega. We have lots of mega things today, don't we? Mega trucks. These huge, ridiculously sized vehicles that smash cars and and race and jump for adoring fans in stadiums all over the country. We have mega millions. The the lottery, the multi-state lottery that has jackpots that reach up into the hundreds of millions. If you have a digital camera, you have megapixels, one million pixels, so that we can have just beautiful pictures with great resolutions. If something is mega, it's huge, it's big, it's oversized. The Greek word megas, the term that's used three times in this passage, has a very similar meaning. It means great It means intense. And so we can learn a lot by looking at the three megas in this passage. The first mega describes the storm. This was a mega storm. The disciples were in a boat with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And author and pastor Timothy Keller tells us the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level where it's very warm. It's about 30 miles north of Mount Hermon, which is about 9,200 feet above sea level. That's even higher than the ski mountain in Sun Valley, where I've come from, just barely. So just a huge uh, disparity there. And so the cold air from the mountain and the warm air from the sea often clash and create just tremendous thunderstorms and squalls on the sea. So commercial fishermen from Galilee would be very used to storms at sea. And that's exactly what several of Jesus' disciples were, fishermen from Galilee. So if these guys were scared, 
by this storm. People who are used to it, you know that it was bad. I mentioned earlier that, that some of us have been on flights that are, that are stormy. Whenever I'm on a flight that's stormy, I always look at the flight attendants because they've been there before, right? Oftentimes, when I start to get nervous, the flight attendants are still walking down the aisle. You know, they're bouncing, they're pushing their cart, and they're, they're saying, can I take that for you? <laughs> yes, you can. Sit down. <clears throat> but if they're still walking around, it, it gives me a sense of peace. Now, when they sit down in their seat and they strap in, I, I get a little bit more on edge. <laughs> there was one time I was on a flight, though, where they were not just sitting, but they looked scared. And then I was terrified because they had been there before and they were scared. Same thing here in this story. You've got fishermen who've been there before. They've seen what this sea can do. And they thought they were going to die. This was a mega storm. And that's when they found Jesus in an unexpected place. First of all, it was unexpected that Jesus would take them into the storm in the first place. But then once he was there, where was he? Sleeping on a cushion, all cozy. Leaders you would expect in a situation like this to be alert, to be barking out commands, to be bailing water, to do whatever they could. Not Jesus. He was sleeping like a baby. It seems Jesus was not threatened by this storm. He had a very calm presence in the midst of what must have been chaos. Are you experiencing a storm in your life? Maybe a relational storm? Or an economic storm, a storm that has to do with your health or the health of somebody that you love, or some other kind of storm. If you're experiencing a storm like any of those, are you learning to lean on the one who is not threatened by those circumstances? Are you seeking him out as a calming presence to give you peace and perspective during this chaotic and different difficult time, even as the waves are crashing over you. Perhaps God wants you to do that today. The second mega in this passage comes in a place that you might not expect it. It comes right next to the word calm. After Jesus woke up, he went and spoke directly to the storm, and he, and he gave it two commands. Be silent! Be still. I wish I could have been a fly on that boat with the disciples. I would have loved to see the look on their faces. What is he doing? Jesus is losing it. He's talking to the weather. But then a funny thing happened. The weather listened. It obeyed his commands. It became calm. I learned how to water ski on Lake Nascimento. Um, I, I learned to ski there with my youth pastor who would take either huge groups of us and sometimes when we were really lucky, he'd take just a small group of us. And, and we always knew that the best time to ski was in the morning before the other boats were out there and before any weather had, had picked up when it was calm. You could find the glassiest water if you got there early enough. Then, of course, later in the day, 
the, the wind and the waves and the, the boats would make all these wakes and there would be just places. It was perfect for intertubing because it was very choppy. So we'd have a blast intertubing on the lake all day long. The conditions that this passage is talking about are like those glassy morning conditions. It went from as the worst storm they had ever seen to the greatest calm that you can imagine. This was a mega calm. This was a mega stillness. It wasn't like the the waves just kept rolling. No, it was just calm. That day, the disciples learned that Jesus is the Lord of the storm. We actually sung about this a little while ago, that, that Jesus is the Lord in the midst of the storm. If you're going through one of those difficult storms in your life, are you learning to trust the Lord of the storm? Or are you so busy bailing water and fighting all the elements that you don't realize who is with you? You don't realize the power that is right beside you. Jesus has the power to calm any storm. And in those times, he stands beside us and he asks us to trust him. He asks us to put our faith in him. But let me give you a word of warning. Just because we put our faith in Jesus in the midst of a storm doesn't mean that he's going to calm it right away, immediately, like he did in this passage after he woke up. Often Jesus wants us to live through that storm for a while because there's things that we can only learn by living through a storm. And sometimes he has mysterious reasons that we can't ever understand. But he lets us live through the storm. You notice in the story, Jesus actually didn't calm the storm right away. When the storm came up, he went to sleep. He took a nap. Maybe you feel like, some of you, that God is sleeping on you right now. Jesus waited until the disciples thought they were going to die before he woke up and calmed the storm. If they had felt secure in their environment, they may not have truly grasped what was happening around them. If they had felt secure, they may not have realized the power that was dwelling with them. It wasn't until things were at their bleakest that Jesus stood and calmed everything. As we endure life's most difficult times, we can find strength through the Lord of the storm, a strength that can sustain us as long as that storm lasts. And then there is a third mega. The first mega was the storm. The second mega was the calm. The third mega is fear. The disciples were afraid when the wind and the waves were crashing over the boat. But the passage doesn't say that they were afraid with a mega fear until after Jesus calmed the storm. In ancient cultures, the the sea was viewed as a place of chaos, that it was uncontrollable, that nobody could contain it or slow it down. It was too powerful. So the disciples saw what Jesus did, and they said, Who is this? He can even calm storms. The wind and the waves listen to him. 
it can be terrifying to have an encounter with the living God. A lot of people, it happens for them, and they run the other way. It's terrifying because God's greatness calls for a response. If God is as powerful as this story portrays him to be, and if Jesus is as powerful as this story shows, then we can't ignore him. We have to pay close attention to him. We need to listen to what he says. But that is scary because it means that our lives may never be the same. He may ask us to do things like walk into a storm that seems scary or risky. He might ask us to change our priorities or our focus. There's a great moment in C.S. Lewis's classic novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you haven't seen the movie or read the book, it's, it's a story of four children and their adventures in a magical land um, called Narnia. And they learn about Aslan, a lion. And the lion represents Jesus in the story. And they're talking to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And they ask, and one of the kids asks, is Aslan safe? Is this character that represents Jesus, is he safe? Safe? Answered Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Following Jesus may not always feel safe. He may lead us into unexpected places. He may lead us into storms and then take a nap for a little while. But those who follow Jesus learn that he is good, that he is always good, that he is always working for the good of those who love him, that he loves them unconditionally all the time. And they can rest in the knowledge that he is the Lord of the storm. So the question for all of us this morning is, will we let Jesus be the Lord of our storms? I don't know what you're going through, but I know that Jesus is more powerful than any of the circumstances that we see. So today, let's let him be the Lord of our storm. Please pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you don't always show up in the places we expect you to. That would be boring. But sometimes when things are not boring, they feel chaotic and scary. So I thank you for your power. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Lord, help us to trust you as the Lord of our storm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church. Helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.